It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone where it's fantasy football all the time. And this week 12, that is the longest week ever in NFL history. And we got Corey Smith with us once again, Rotowire, joining us to help us break it all down as best as we can with everything that is going on this past week. It was wild. Hey, you know, I'm not bitter, Paul. The Broncos had to play without a quarterback. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Ravens, they get their game pushed back. Four or five times, but yeah. it's all right. You know, uh, it is what it is. I understand the Broncos almost contained it so well that it hurt them. They had enough <laughs> eligible players, just no yeah. quarterbacks to play. And interestingly enough, we got our first live game during the podcast <laughs> here. It doesn't get any weirder than a Wednesday game. So no. we'll see how this plays out. And I'm going to start off and apologize to everyone who's playing fantasy football for the first time this season. I'm sorry you decided to join now if this is your first year playing. This is not how it normally is. Um, You don't usually have uh, a quarterback not available for a football game. Uh, You usually know what position a guy's going to be, and they don't make weird determinations if he's going to be a quarterback or a tight end, or you could pick a wide receiver, but then he doesn't get quarterback points, which I heard was going on uh, with the whole Denver situation and just all of the craziness we we knew going into the season it was going to be different we knew there's going to be a chance for stuff like this to happen but at the rate it happened this past week I'm sure it has given uh, first time fantasy players migraines and headaches trying to field a squad and they might say they never play this again so I know the league that you know they're trying to do everything they can to get these games and obviously they don't care if they're a competitive disadvantage or not but I, you know, for those that are first time playing, I'm sorry you had to go through this. Yeah, and I would just recommend sticking with it because it can get especially frustrating. If it's your first time, you lose a couple of times because you had somebody scratched on Saturday night, Sunday morning, you didn't know about. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's a very strange year, and the NFL teams are dealing with it the same as fantasy GMs. I mean, they've got to deal with different stuff, like not having a QB, having their home facility shifted to another state like the 49ers. So yeah. we're all rolling with the punches here. Yeah, I almost forgot about that. I mean, that was in there, too. That happened on Saturday. We had everything else. You know, the COVID list for Baltimore as they continue to have guys test positive as they play this game today. I know Mark Andrews was out. So, I mean, there was just another piece of – the pie for them to be out and the two original guys. Now I, I didn't see the inactive list and I just tuned on the game late here, but were um, Dobbins and Ingram, were they available to play today or did they hold them out? They held them out. Okay. So not only Andrews, but Gus Bus is leading the backfield tonight for the Ravens and they, they've been hanging in the, in there for most of this game. Um, the Juju touchdown just now in the third or early fourth distancing <laughs> Pittsburgh a bit, but they've hung in there despite RG3 not really doing much from the QB spot. And again, too, uh, this week is just going to be different for every league. I know most, uh, I think on, well, most of them, the transaction wire, the waiver wire, it's going to be going through processed on Friday, which is the first time ever, I think, that uh, up going into the weekend, yeah, those transactions on a Friday are going to be going through. So if you need to grab guys in the wire, you still got till Friday this week now. Right, and of course, no Thursday game this week, so we'll be okay till Sunday. They've shifted around some stuff next week. We've got another Tuesday game for the Ravens, I believe. Yep. And even going into week 14, there's some things shifted around with their opponents um, for the Steelers and the Ravens. So 
just be mindful of the different time slots that we got going here. If you're invested in Baltimore, Pittsburgh players or anyone they're facing the next couple of weeks. And fantasy-wise, guys that are coming off the COVID list, there's quite a few names that are now uh, going to be available again. I know Adam Thielen is for the Vikings. He got cleared. Brandon Ayuk from the uh, 49ers, who's been out a couple games. Uh, you know, he's he's available as well, among uh, others that are going to be back available for you this week. So, again, that's just another thing you got to check on. Another thing, and also for the Broncos, hopefully some more life for Jerry, Judy, and company. Literally, yeah. Noah Fant was the only guy on the team who had a catch, he had a 13-yard catch. That was the only completion of the game. So we'll have some reverberations and some <laughs> collateral effects with Broncos signal caller coming back likely this Sunday. Oh, we'll get to that. Don't worry, we're going to get to that game. We got plenty on that. We got plenty on that going on. We'll start off with the Bills Chargers, just everything going on. And uh, this game, I guess, it snuck under the radar a little bit. Josh Allen, uh, you know, he had a pretty decent game. He went down for a series. It looked like, uh uh-oh, maybe something's going to happen. But uh, he came back in the game and uh, delivered for the Bills. Back in the game, not his best fantasy effort again, but gets it done, rushing score along with the passing score. Cole Beasley here. His first career touchdown pass, a little trickery, kind of a throwback to him. He goes 20 yards to Taylor Gabriel for the touchdown. You know, we, we know what to expect from Allen. He's pretty steady against elite teams. He can he can blow up and have an off week, but pretty steady fantasy presence. Justin Herbert, I mean, no question, rookie of the year front runner right now. Yeah. Eckler looked good in his return, 11 catches for Eckler. I didn't think he'd play much, but he was clearly the full, full-fledged full guy and the out of the picture injured. I mean, they just cannot close games. This one, I don't think they ever really had control, but Anthony Lynn sitting on the hot seat at 3-8. and eight. I mean, he makes one decision every week, it seems like, or as a team, they make a decision. Coach, with the clock or elsewise, where you just question what they're thinking, i.e. this week they had the deep completion towards the end of the game. It was a long shot they'd come back, but they decided to run it up the middle with no timeout. I mean, it, it seems like Lynn is on the hot seat there at 3-8. and eight. And that yeah, that's a shame because I really like him. I, I think he's a great defensive coach. He's been missing some guys back there, and you know they've had some their injury issues too. But like you said, though those those late game decisions they might come back and haunt him here by the end of the year. They may, yeah. You love him from hard knock. Yes, it's it's hard to imagine. You hate to speculate about something like this, but just keeping up with the league for so long, I think we can kind of feel. It would be a surprise at this point unless they pull off like five straight wins, but we'll see how it plays out for Anthony Lynn. Up next, the Pats and Cards. We're not going to apologize for talking about this one. Cam's not apologizing for winning as well, so I guess we all got that in common. It wasn't pretty for Cam, but got it done. It seems like every week it's just he's more of a a scorer than natural shooter. It may not be pretty with the mechanics. He'll get you a rushing score maybe or two. Uh, but again, here in, in the clutch at the end of the game, after Zane Gonzalez misses his kick in the last two minutes, Cam leads him down on a 33-yard drive, gets him in range for a 50-yarder from Nick Folt. So, you know, it hasn't looked pretty from Cam, but 5-6 and six now, he's 5-5 five and five as a starter. So keeping them afloat in the AFC wildcard picture. I just got to think, what has happened to that offense? You know, the first couple games of the season, they were, you know, we thought, okay, they're going to shift it. They're going to be running it a lot more. But Cam was also, you know, I obviously understand the Edelman injury, but I thought there was other pieces there, especially the wide receiver core that he could be going to, but it's just not there at all. I don't know if the league has just caught up to it and figured it out that quickly from a Bella coach, Bella check coach team. Or maybe they weren't as good as we thought, and then, you know, 
as they were in the earlier part of the season. Yeah, I think it's it's probably the latter. And also, of course, Cam went on the COVID list for a couple of weeks. They they lost that game where they kind of got smoked with Brian Hoyer in there. Maybe that threw him out of out of a groove a bit, but he really has not been very effective as a passer all season. I mean, he had the one game with uh, almost 400 yards against Seattle, had another big game statistically against the Texans, but otherwise been under 270 yards passing every game. And amazingly, he hasn't had a single game with two passing touchdowns all year. So just has not been explosive through the air, but their defense is chippy enough. And they have enough running backs, even without Burkhead. They're finding ways to be adequate and slightly above average teams so far. And on the Cardinals' side, man, that looked like for sure, you know, a good playoff team. And now they're they're just hanging on to that final playoff spot. Yeah, maybe a little bit of a paper tiger. It's just I, the main thing you think about it, a coaching league, first and foremost. Kingsbury's exciting. I don't know. He's, he's never really won consistently at any stop college or nope. one pro stop as a coach, as a head coach. And, you know, Vance Joseph, we've touched on it a couple times. He wasn't great in Denver as a defensive coordinator. The infrastructure there, it's, it's just not fantastic. They've got star guys. They've got flashy guys. Murray to Hopkins, it does not get much more fun to watch than that. But they're not a great defense. I think I just think they were a little bit overrated early in the year. A wild card appearance for them would be a win in 2020, I think. Yes. Up next, they're not getting anywhere close to a wild card for some time soon. It's the uh, Jets and Dolphins. Hey, we said on the show Fitzmagic might get in there. Now, he didn't go off for like the five touchdown, 350-yard performance, but he got a win against his former team. He did. He managed it. Didn't have to do much here. Was not an especially competitive effort. From the Jets. I mean, and finally, they got Darnold on the field. They got Mims, Perriman. They pretty much got their full plethora of weapons. We'll call them weapons. Yeah, something. But still nothing. Yeah. Three points. I mean, and there's all this controversy. Who's calling the plays for the Jets? Is it Dow Loggins? Is it Adam Gase? I mean, who cares? I mean, it's competitive disadvantage. I don't think people are really paying too much attention to who's calling the plays. I think they're just cruising to 0-16 at this point, it seems. Yeah, looking at the schedule, it's... I don't know. I, I think there's a game with Cleveland, but I mean, the Browns, they've proven themselves the last couple of weeks now to maybe be, uh, you know, better than we thought they were, so I think that 0-16 is a real possibility. I think so. Uh, maybe the last game against New England, they played them yeah. pretty tough that one Monday night, but I got to believe they'll probably still take that one, New England. We'll see what their wild card scenario looks like by week 17. But if you're a Jets fan, you've got you to gotta want them to go 0-16 at this point. I mean, it'd be nice to see them get a win if they could maintain that number one spot. But long term, there's no question about it. Trevor Lawrence is the best thing that can come out of this season. Giant Spangles. Hey, this was a little more competitive than people maybe uh, thought it would be. I, I don't know, but with the uh, Bengals... Losing Joe Burrow, but then all of a sudden in this game, Danny Dimes went down, and the Giants still they get the victory. Yeah, and Leonard Williams, he's making contributions. I question that franchise tag on him. Gets the crucial fumble recovery at the end that iced the game. I mean, Colt McCoy might be out there next week against Seattle. He was six for ten, thirty-one yards. Uh, they hardly asked him to do anything. So if he's out there, it's going to completely change the perspective on the Giants. I mean, they're. Their defense has been much better than I expected they'd be this year. But, of course, with Colt McCoy, I mean, all these questions about can they win this division, it, it gets a lot hairier. Danny Dimes has been playing cleaner the last few weeks, no turnovers in three straight. But Colt McCoy, Paul, I mean, uh, we've seen him bounce around the league, and he's not especially exciting. No, he's not. And But it's the NFC East. I mean, I thought by now we would have a team that is getting close to the 500 mark. 
I don't know. I I think we're going to have a six and ten playoff team from the East. I can certainly see it right now. Quick thought: Who is who are you taking? Is it? It can't be Philly, can it? No. I mean, that, that's who I've wanted to lead towards all year, but I don't yeah. know if I can go with them anymore. I I don't think it's Philly anymore. From yeah, what I saw to Carson Wentz and their schedule down the stretch, it's going to be tough sledding for them. I Washington may I well mm-hmm. maybe Washington will come out. Ron Rivera, pretty good coach, rallies these guys up. I maybe on my money's on Washington down the stretch. I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. I'd go with one of those two for sure. I mean, Dallas is dead as a doornail. They're yep. way back, but they seem like they have the least optimism here. I think the Eagles, this is a different team. I mean, every last couple of years, they've just been a late season team. I don't know. It's, it's not looking good. Jalen Hurts comes in. We'll, we'll see if that develops. But it's for me, certainly between the Giants and Washington. I'd lean Washington right now because Alex Smith is playing clean ball. That's really all they need to do. They've had a really good defense. I, I'd go Washington right now. Up next, Colts and Titans, and he's doing it again. Derrick Henry, to the delight of fantasy owners. Uh, what is that? I mean, from week 11 on to 17, the past three years, he's just been dominating. I, I can't remember the stat offhand, but he so many, like 140 rushing yards average and a couple touchdowns. I mean, and he can Continues it. It makes sense. I mean, after Thanksgiving, we know what they always say. It's a different kind of football. You got to pound the rock. I mean, it plays right into Derrick Henry. We know the offense always really built around him, but, you know, it started in 2018 with that insane game against the Jaguars where he had the 98 yard run, whatever it was, and four stiff arms. But he, yeah, down the stretch, it makes sense that he is effective in December. 178 yards, three touchdowns in the ground against the Colts. They didn't have Bobby Ogariki for this game, but still, it's the Colts. They've been a good defense all year. They've been a top 10 rush defense. 229 on the ground for Tennessee. They kept it close for a while in the first half at Indy, but you cannot survive if Henry's just wearing you down play after play. Just takes a toll on the whole defense, just fatigue-wise. And Phillip Rivers, we, we talked about him last week. Is he going to do enough to help this team win, especially come playoff time? And while we saw it in this game, uh, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the route may have been a little bit off in the receiver, but still a pretty ugly interception in this game. They were down a couple scores at the time in the second half, but, you know, we expect that from Phillip. He's going to throw <laughs> one or two in inopportune times and cleaning it up a little bit, cleaning it up enough to get them to 7-3 and three coming into this game, but we've come to expect that from him. What we haven't expected this year, or at least of late, is anything from T.Y. Hilton finally breaks out his first touchdown of 2020. So maybe he has a pulse here down the stretch. We know the talent is there. He's old, but he could be getting a little steam here. Okay, so I'm just getting a quick glance of the TV, and again, this is so strange that we have a live game going on, but uh, this is any indication of how bad the Ravens' offense has been today. Trace McSorley is now in at quarterback for the Ravens, so RG3 is out. Trace McSorley trying to rally the troops as they're down 12. Man, it, <laughs> That's it's bad. getting dark. It's yes. getting dark. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and I know RG3 early in the game, he pulled up with that hamstring trying to run out. Uh, that may have affected his abilities a little bit here, and the way he's like to play. I see he looks like he's got an ice pack there in his hammy. 
nice ice pack for RG3. Yeah. But yeah, well, we'll see if McSorley can give him any life. I think <laughs> young quarterbacks against Pittsburgh, it's a pretty scary proposition. Yeah, so it's it's looking pretty good right now for the Steelers to remain unbeaten. And uh, back to you know some of the quick highlights again. Brady and the Buccaneers against the Chiefs. I think Tyreek Hill keeps on scoring touchdowns. Brady keeps throwing interceptions. We're not used to seeing him in key situations. He is uh, throwing the ball around, and uh, they're not looking good at some of these interceptions. Now, two more picks against Kansas City. First time in 11 years, Tom Brady or a Tom Brady-led team has lost three games in a four-game span. I mean, he led him back in the second half there, 17-7, halftime run, 14-0 Tampa Bay advantage in the fourth quarter, but just couldn't overcome the Chiefs. I feel like the Chiefs, a little bit like the Warriors, they can play with teams a little bit, and they know if they need to put away the game late with a couple first downs, Mm -hmm. they can do that. And, and of course, Chiefs did that um, basically on a third down. The balls that it takes to roll out of the pocket and throw a ball to Hill right on the sideline, just perfect execution from Reed and the Chiefs to ice that game against Tampa. But, you know, the same thing from Tampa. It's just it, the groans. It's just louder and louder. I don't know if I've ever heard so much pessimism about a 7-5 and five team, though, Paul. I mean, yeah. they are still 7-5, and five, and it, it feels like the sky is falling every time we hear about them. Well, because everyone, they put those expectations on. They thought with Brady there, they're going to go right to the Super Bowl again. And, no, they, they have to get – used to each I mean there there has got to be something to account for for the lack of offseason they had basically they could not work out together and they couldn't get used to each other so I obviously I think this is all catching up and again the still the thing that I don't understand is that backfield situation they I think that could help them out a lot more if they would just settle on one of those guys Ronald Jones Leonard Fournette which one you're rolling with pound the rock a little bit more and you know give Brady some relief that way yeah, I mean, Fournette, three rush attempts in this game. Yeah. Certainly game flow worked against him a little bit. I don't know. I, I mean, he, to me, seems like more of the back fit for this time of year. But, of course, Ronald Jones has been super explosive as well. It's just neither one of them is really like that wheel route back that James White that just provides that extra level of comfort. You know, Arians likes to push it downfield a little bit more. That's another aspect here. Even with Three of the best receivers in football. Uh, you know, Brown is probably taking a bit of a step back, of course. But so three, just a stacked receiving core. Still, he's doing something different than he's been used to uh, from his time in New England. And all the offensive line in front of him has, has not been elite this year. So different factors playing in the scheme, the personnel, and, and still the offensive line. And up next, the Vikings, Panthers, and uh, it was a strange sequence in this game. You thought they were replaying a touchdown, but no. Jeremy Chin, the rookie for the Panthers, scored two touchdowns within 10 seconds. It was strange to see, but uh, he's making a run at rookie of the year for defensive side. Double chin, <laughs> and yeah, he, he's right at the top of the list right now, along with a couple wash pass rushers. They had their shot there at the end, did the Panthers. Joey Sly shot at a 54 yarder we know he has insane range missed that kick in the final 10 seconds so the Panthers I thought they may be kind of a sneaky wild card team after September they were two one and one they were kind of in the mix they've just been on a complete they've been tanking the last couple weeks here they've been completely going off the rails the Vikings now I look back to that Cowboys game Paul I'm like is that going to be the game that cost them that feels like a game they should they could have won they should have won but they're still there at five and six I mean after that start to be in a position to 
even have a shot at the wild card. It's got to feel pretty good, and Cousins is playing a lot better. He is playing a lot better. I think you are correct. That Cowboys game is going to bite him in the end because they do get a couple tough teams on the way. I know Tampa Bay is on the schedule here and the Saints on Christmas Day, so, I mean, just those two games alone. Most likely not going to be favored in those games, so, I mean, right there you're looking at maybe potentially two more losses, so they can't lose too many of those games. So I think that Cowboys game might have done them in. I, I think, you know, what I expected this team, Mike Zimmer in the defense, he's coaching them up. They were young. He had very young pieces to work with can work with in the secondary. So on that side of the ball, I think that's starting to come along. And like you said, Cousins, he is playing better and continues to find Justin Jefferson, who is just continues to, uh, despite, I, and again, it just blows my mind away that they could not figure out how to get him involved until week three of this season. He has basically done all this production from week three all the way on. So the first two weeks, they didn't really know how to use him. He wasn't even on the field. And now he's their number one receiver. I know you got Thielen in there, but I I say it's it's Jefferson at number one spot right now. I mean, they had to give BC Johnson his due. Yeah, oh, geez. They, yeah. They're like, who's the playmate yeah. for Stephen Corey? They said, here's BC Johnson. Let's throw him out there. <laughs> yeah, he's our best shot. Yeah, that, I mean, it's still, I still. That still irks me a little bit that they just could not get him in the game until week three. And then, like I said, all this uh, has been going on. So that's uh, some of the quick hits. Uh, takeaways from week 12. Oh, this game. Lost some people some money. Uh, Seahawks and Eagles. Philly looked terrible in this game, but they got the Hail Mary at the end, and they decided to, I guess, piss a lot of people off and go for two for no reason. Yeah, that's the capper there. Yeah. Complete junk junk time TD pass from Wentz to Rodgers there. Makes the score look a lot better. Sanders with the two-pointers you mentioned. But, yeah, it just continues to be a train wreck for the Eagles. They're just, they could have been in first place had they won this game. In the NFC, they would have been in first. But the drum is just getting louder and louder. Seems like they want Hurts in there. I remember from the Monday Night Broadcast, Brian Greasy's talking about, do you really think Hurts is going to do any better with this? offensive line and kind of what we've seen from this receiving core. I mean, I Wentz's mechanics, we've seen they're all over the place. His touch has been off all season and short to intermediate. But I still feel like he probably is their best chance. Mm-hmm. I think Hurts in the second round was a little, to me in the second round, Hurts was a little bit overdrafted. Yeah. And they are in bed with Wentz with his contract. I, it's a very complex situation. But to me, if they're if they're going to make the wild card, they, or excuse me, they're going to win that division. They've got to get it right with Wentz over Hurts at this moment. And even if they throw Hurts in there, I don't think that's the type of team they are right now. I mean, they built around Carson Wentz, so if you put Jalen Hurts in there, I don't think they have, I guess, what it is to convert that offense mid-season or this late in the season to uh, to make them any better. Yeah, it would be it would be a weird dynamic, especially with, I guess, the way they use the tight end so heavily. They don't really have – Rieger hasn't really stretched the field as they've wanted, so maybe that would constrict Hurts' ability to kind of have open running lanes. I don't know, but – yeah, it is late in the season to kind of make that swap. If they fall out of the race, of course, it's a different story. Yeah. Maybe you want to get a look at them, but this is insane, Paul. I mean, 16 to 15 touchdown interception ratio for Wentz. He has four more interceptions than any other player in the NFL right now. 
And if you think it's bad now, the next three games for the Eagles, they got the Packers, they've got the Saints, and they got the Cardinals. So it, it yeah. could get a lot noisier in the city of brotherly love. And again, Miles Sanders, a lot of people thought, you know, this could be his breakout year, going to draft him. And, uh, you know, he was falling in a good spot for a lot of people, and it just has not paid off this year. Yeah, he dealt with the injury early in the season. He's had some problems with drops this year. I will say I poo-pooed Saquon characterization this summer. <laughs> he is a super he is a super talented back. And the stats from the game, he's third in the NFL in yards per carry average behind Kyler Murray and Nick Chubb. Understood he's missed some games, but still he has upside. He's one of those pieces they've gotta to continue to build around, but just has not had the effect that they've wanted in twenty twenty. But if you're only getting eight yard eight touches per game and you have some pretty decent runs, I mean that that kind of tells you where they're at with that. Yeah, they understood. I mean, this game did not work the way they wanted to. They couldn't be as balanced as they wanted to, but still you're throwing the ball to Goddard, Richard Rock I mean Goddard's okay, but yeah throwing the ball to second string tight ends and you're not no. getting an electrifying guy like Sanders more than eight touches, that that's a problem. Up next, too, with the Seattle, I mean, DK Metcalf, huge game, comes out. And I guess for the Seahawks offense, it was good to see them. You know, it was kind of a grind, but for Russell to get back in that flow passing game-wise, that might rest some worries for fantasy owners down the stretch here. Yeah, he didn't light it up, but at least it was a clean effort here. He's had some picks the last few weeks. 230 yards, one pass touchdown. you got to expect him to get the numbers going again at some point. Uh Three or more passing touchdowns in six of his first seven games of the season. So just prolific in the scoring category. The last four weeks, just five combined passing touchdowns. He hasn't had more than two in any game since week nine. So sharp decline. The MVP talk has certainly subsided. But, I mean, it's not affecting DK Metcalf. He took Darius play to the woodshed in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would poke the bear that is DK Metcalf. Schwartz, before yeah. the game, he's telling DK, you know, I saw Calvin Johnson in Detroit. You're you're a lot like him, but you're not you're not there quite yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you would want to uh, make DK Metcalf angry and give him that extra motivation, but he took it out on Darius Slay with 177 receiving yards on 10 catches. So DK Metcalf just continues to be dynamite, even though Russell's been more hit or miss of late. All right, so we're going to do another live look. Steelers and Ravens, again, they're going on as we record today. And oh, I made fun of Trace McSorley, but here we go, a Hollywood Brown signing, a big 77-yard, I believe, touchdown here. And uh, the Ravens have pulled back into this one with about three minutes left. I mean, they're going to need to get a quick stop, but you love to see that from a Hollywood Brown because this has been a really disappointing year for him. And really, I mean, the receiving for the Ravens as a whole, but big play for Hollywood. Yeah, just in our three minutes here, down 19-14, so I, I can't believe their way. They're hanging this game. They're missing Lamar Jackson. They're missing their top two backs. They're missing their tight end. A couple of the guys on defense. It just goes to show. I mean, these rivalry games, it's a different animal. And, uh, yeah, I was just seeing what they were, what uh, strategy they were going to use on this kickoff, but they uh, kicked it deep. They got three timeouts left, so they're going to play defense and use the two-minute warning. So we'll keep you updated on it. Sounds like we might see a finish on that one by the time we get to the end here. You know, this game was supposed to be on Turkey Day. Now let's get to some of that action from Thanksgiving Day. It was the Texans all over the Lions. I mean, the Will Fuller fallout. Best game of the year coming off of that. He's had a great year this year. He's going into a big contract year in free agency. And then, 
bam, the six-game suspension after this game, and uh, fantasy owners left shrugging their hands and saying, okay, this is really going to hurt me down the stretch. I mean, he finally stays healthy. Yes. He is in the lineup. And how about it? He's the 11th best receiver in fantasy right now. So at the end of his season, Will Fuller really pretty much hit top point that we would have expected for our range of outcomes like we I think we would have taken him as a number two receiver in fantasy he's close to a number one receiver he's been really electrifying I mean it goes with Deshaun Watson who's really been heating up but we'll see I mean he's out six games now he owned it and I'll say this too they're gonna have to resign him his contract is up at the end of the season Deshaun Watson really wants Fuller back we'll see if they do that uh, they get him back or if it's the DeAndre Hopkins situation I mean they got to they gotta keep Fuller, keep Watson happy, I feel like. He is the prized asset, and you, you got to keep Watson happy. Yeah, they've got to keep somebody there, the wide receivers, because I know they cut Kenny Stills earlier in the week, not saying that he was going to be a number one receiver there or anything. But, I mean, they're losing receivers at this pace. You, you've got to refill and get someone for Deshaun, especially to make up for what you did with the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I mean, that that trade maybe set that receiving core back a couple of years if they don't resign Fuller. That was it. It was still just yes. It's still found. Just he almost can't get over that trade. But I mean, the thing is, O'Brien, Big Bill, he's out of the picture. Got to get a real GM in here who's not also the coach. Yeah, I mean, Fuller, he's going to be pretty expensive, but I don't think he's going to pull that. I don't know the fifteen Julio Jones type numbers, uh, fifteen million a year. He'll be kind of in the mid range, expensive option, but a really good player and. He works with the Sean Watson style. Him and Cook, explosive threats have kind of worked nicely in tandem. And and you've pointed this out, too, that that Cooks, he's really been coming on the last couple weeks, and I guess he's really now going to come on a lot more because he's going to get all the looks with uh, Fuller out now. Exactly. Now, the the one side of the coin is they're going to focus on him. He's going to be pulling doubles. Sure, he's going to get a little bit more attention, but I mean, Deshaun Watson is just such a, he's a fantastic quarterback, as we know. He's been playing lights out the last five, six weeks, so he'll find a way to get Cooks the ball. They have, they've melded well, better than I really thought. The last few weeks here, been over 80 yards in back-to-back games. He's got 60-plus receiving yards in six of his past seven. So, I mean, coming into Thanksgiving, he was wide receiver 11 fantasy in this previous six games so really really solid year from Brandon Cooks and the volume is just going to keep going up from here and on the Lions the performance was so bad they got Matt Patricia and the GM Bob Quinn out of here they they said you're not winning on Thanksgiving that's the last straw we'll see ya it was the Super Bowl as you said it was the Lions Super Bowl they, they got it. it's no joke yeah it felt like Patricia he came into the season halfway on the hot seat I mean was he going to come back for this year it felt like one of those deals hey we got to give him one more shot here. Stafford was banged up in 2019. It, it hasn't translated in 2020. They're now four and seven. They showed some life early in the year, but now four straight losses, all coming by double digits, average margin of 17 points in each of those losses. So it's gone off the rails, and we'll see if Daryl Bevel can give him a little bit of life here. Out of the playoff picture, of course, but we'll see what they can build going into next year. And and two, I mean, the stories are starting to come out. And again, the Patriot way only works in New England because he tried it in Detroit. I read one story where players were uh, celebrating with champagne after week 17 last year. Not because they made the playoffs, because they didn't have to deal with Matt Patricia until the offseason programs began. So, I mean, that's when you've got stuff like that going on and uh, he was coming back again for this year with that stuff out there. It, I don't think he had a chance. 
That is brutal. That that is an absolutely brutal <laughs> yes. uh, illustration of how your team feels about you. I, I'd say <laughs> I've heard uh, John Middlecoff, who's a scout who talks about football. He said, you know, Patricia. He started from the bottom. He was not one of those guys at a big, sweet D1 program or got you know levitated into a sweet position in the NFL. He really worked his way up and earned that opportunity. But just not a good head coach. It personality-wise, scheme-wise, and personnel. I mean. It seemed like they half their team was Patriots. Yep. Overpaying for guys. Bob Quinn was not a great GM either. So hey, it's it's they're turning the leaf here. We'll see if they can get back to the Jim Caldwell level or a little bit better. I think he was fine. They just didn't think he had enough upside, but I think they'd take that right about now. The other Turkey Day game, Washington against the Dallas Cowboys, and this thing turned into a joke quickly after the uh, end of the second half. I mean, Washington just ran away with this thing. Yeah, and they were your first-place football team coming yeah. out of Turkey Day. The Giants overtook them on Sunday with their win over the Bengals. Another just doozy from the analytical guru, Mike <laughs> McCarthy. He goes for it here. Early fourth quarter, down a touchdown. Fake punt from his own 24-yard line. And it was a fourth and ten, folks. I mean, this thing, uh, yeah. not only did it not get the first down, it, it actually lost the yard. So it was just a complete disaster. And from there, 24-yard touchdown, literally the next play from Antonio Gibson. And it, it was just off and running from there. And, and with Antonio Gibson, a guy that we thought in training camp, you know, he could take over that job. We thought it was going to take some time. Obviously it did because now he is really coming on and he looks like a guy that could win you a league. He's been absolutely awesome. He's actually exceeded expectations to this point. We know McKissick, he's contributed to, he's been a nice pass catcher, but Gibson right now, 115 yards, three touchdowns on Thanksgiving. He's now at 11 for the season rushing touchdowns. That's second most on only Dalvin Cook in his 13. So just, he's destroyed as a rookie as Gibson. It's just working perfectly. They ha- they really have something going with that backfield tandem. And a pretty young tandem at that. And only McKissick's been around a couple of years with the Seahawks, bounced around, but they're they've got that dimension locked down. Just a question of who's who's gonna play quarterback, but yeah. at least they've got a good stable of, of backs right now. And, and the Alex Smith story, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. I mean it this is a great story here if he can lead him to the playoffs and I think they gotta stay with him now. And you know he's not gonna light it up fantasy wise, but he can continues to help them do what they need to do to win games. They have to stay with him now. I mean, not only the story, but just as the player. I mean, he's not going to do what he did playing for Andy Reid, mm-hmm. but he's still a really, really smart player. He's now 2-1. and one. He's just going to manage manage week after week. Just one touchdown, one pick, 149 yards against the Cowboys. Really good completion rate. That's what we're going to get every week. They, they've got a solid defense. They've got a good front seven top three pass defense. So, hey, they're not going to go deep, but like we said, we both like them to win that division. And on the Cowboys side of things, I mean, just, I, there's nothing, they they should be putting up points. They should be, you know, fantasy-wise, they should be doing this stuff, but again, it's more the stuff on paper that's just not going out there. I guess C.D. Lamb, that's a positive. Other than that, not much. Yeah, they got him going forward, but still got to sort out the quarterback situation. Got to believe they're bringing back Dak, if at all possible. Sounds like Jerry's all on board with that. But the Red <laughs> Rifle, I mean, Dalton has just really not got it going. I, I no. thought he would be pretty effective given all the weapons. I mean, the offensive line is no joke. They've, they've been banged up all season. They're missing Tyron Smith. Zach Martin's been in and out. He's been a significant time. But still, I, I really thought Dalton would be a lot better for the Cowboys than he has been. The pick six to Montez Sweat was just the 
the cherry on top. I mean, this game was pretty much over. That was the slam dunk. So, yeah, they're only a game or so, game and a half back. Not sure what the tie situation is with the Eagles and their game back from them. But, yeah, it seems like the Cowboys are dead. Just really hardly any life. And Zeke, I mean, it seemed like if they're going to make a run, he's got to take over. Uh, just another nightmarish outing here, fantasy and real life. Yet another lost fumble here. He's had five in 11 games in 2020. He had five in 56 career games coming into this season. So something is going on with Zeke. As many fumbles this season as his first four years in the league. Up next, a game that many probably are wondered what is going on. The Raiders and the Falcons. Here you go. Raiders played very tough against Kansas City. Looked like, I mean, they almost swept him for the season. But, you know, Kansas City pulled it out in the end. Have been playing pretty good football this year, and the Falcons just wiped the floor with them. And not on a good performance by Matt Ryan. Exactly. It was the defense. I mean, defense looks different with Raheem Morris in there. And I'll point two with him as the interim. Pick six from Deion Jones. I mean, that was certainly a turning point in this game. 67-yarder to the house. Already the fifth of his career. He's, at points, a really good coverage linebacker. Starting to come to light again. And the, the big thing for Carr, three lost fumbles in this game. Four total giveaways. His eight total lost fumbles are an NFL worst. And in this game, his three fumbles, it led to 13 points for Atlanta. Just death. You, you cannot win the NFL, of course, giving the ball away. Four giveaways for Carr, not characteristic of what we usually see from him. And Josh Jacobs, you come to expect him to be the workhorse. He puts you up, you know, the, probably the most consistent fantasy guy on the, the Raiders team and not having any luck against the Falcons. Yeah, he coughed one up too, lost the fumble. Game flow in the second half, he was not going to get the ball much on the ground. Ended the game with just seven carries for 27 yards. So a weird week from him, but I will say this. Brady Jarrett, one of the most underrated defensive linemen in the NFL, made his first Pro Bowl last season. They're the number six rush defense in the NFL is Atlanta, so... It was a sneaky, tough matchup for Jacobs, but you still, out of him, you expect a lot more than 27 rushing yards. And on the Atlanta side, I mean, for fantasy-wise, Julio sits out this game. Calvin Ridley, not much going on. Who do you... What do they? What do you think they're going to do with Julio down the stretch? I mean, with them winning this game, are they going to keep him out there, or do you think this... It's every week is going to be a tune in to see if they're going to play him, and or do you think they just rest him till next year? I think we're going to see him again this year. It's always the situation with Julio. It seems it, at least in 2020 and even preceding seasons, he has limited availability throughout the week. He was limited in Wednesday's practice today. There's a chance he'll go in week 13. One thing I'll say that makes me feel a little bit better about him sitting out week 12, he had a situation earlier in the season where he aggravated the hamstring in-game and he had to sit out the subsequent week. That was the situation week 12. He tried to play week 11, tweaked it, and couldn't go week 12. He's a tough guy. He wants to get out there, clearly. I do think we'll see him again, though, in the next two weeks here. Hey, guess what? Week 12 is finally over with. Pittsburgh it's defeat, over. It's over. Pittsburgh uh, defeats Baltimore 19 to 14. Uh just looking at uh trying to get some of these stats up here. 
Like we said, it was not an offensive showcase by any means for the Ravens. Again, Trace McSorley in the 77-yard touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. That was basically your highlight there, so it was good, I guess, to see him back in action. Big Ben, 266, a touchdown and a pick. Benny Snell had 60 yards, uh, seven for James Conner. Uh, Eric Ebron led to receiving. He had seven receptions for 54 yards. And then uh, Chase Claypool uh, with six receptions, 52 yards. Let's see, Juju uh, with the touchdown on eight receptions for 37 yards. And uh, Deontay Johnson, eight receptions, 46 yards. So, I mean, some of the fantasy numbers there. You like those reception totals, though, uh, for Johnson and Schuster. You do. I don't know. Schuster, high value. <laughs> uh, not very explosive today, but the touchdown bells now. So here we go. I mean, 11-0. and 0, They're just five games away here. Let's see what they have left. I, they got to have a tough game in the mix here, just being a second-place team from last year, I believe. So Washington... We've gone over this before, this remaining slate for Pittsburgh. They do have the Bills in Week 14 and the Colts Week 16. I think those are probably the two toughest matchups, but they're looking like they're right there. 16-0, first time since New England. Going back before that, the Dolphins. So they're on the brink of history here, Paul. It doesn't feel like a typical undefeated team. No. They are, they are a damn good team. They have a really good defense. It's just with Big Ben... As good as he is, I just expect them to have a couple of weird weeks. But, hey, here they are. All right. We've saved this one for the end because this, again, was the most interesting situation that developed. Saints and Broncos. Again, the news came down late Saturday afternoon. And, again, it was a Sunday afternoon game. All the quarterbacks for the Broncos not eligible to play because of close contact and then they had to find somebody on the practice squad that played college football for one year, and that was Kendall Hinton. I will give you the stage on <laughs> if you want to rip the league or what you want to do with this because I'll say this. This game proves they don't care about competitive advantages this year. They just want to get these games in. Amen. I mean, as, as a Broncos fan, I'll say one thing off the top. I, I know Vic Fangio, he owned it that our quarterbacks were not wearing masks at all times. They should have been wearing masks this week. So, I mean, I appreciate the honesty and just the ownership from him. But, I mean, come on. But yeah. The fact that you're going to push back one team, I get it. I mean, it's almost like the Ravens were rewarded for having a terrible spread. I mean, they yeah. had so many guys inactive. They couldn't play Monday. They had to push it back to Tuesday. They had to push it back to Wednesday. The Broncos are almost punished for having great isolation of this. Just the quarterbacks were out. And, I mean, Drew, he didn't even test positive. They couldn't have waited a day to push this back to Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I get the complications, but, I mean, come on, guys. This, when you watch this game, I mean, it, the first time in 55 years we've had a non-quarterback starting at quarterback. That just shouldn't happen. Uh, <laughs> but it is what it is. I mean, it, it hurts. It was an ugly game. I'm a little pissed. Mm-hmm. I'm not as pissed as Drew Locke's mom. <laughs> but, you know, we, we live – Another week, Paul. It's the NFL in 2020. Everything's off the table. A little upset, but got to live with it. I mean, it, going into it and just reading some of the tweets of the Bronco players, I know Von Miller said, if I didn't have this injury, maybe I could just start a quarterback. I mean, it was they were having some fun with it. But still, like you said, this Pittsburgh Ravens game was postponed, I think, four times until they finally just finished it up here a couple minutes ago. 
And they could not push this game back to Monday night when they have been doing that all season long, the games. I just, again, it, it proves they just want to get the games in. They don't care. And and a couple weeks ago with the 49ers against the Packers when they had all those uh, come out, and I know the Niners, they had the injuries going on, but they also then all of a sudden the COVID list grew a couple days, basically a day before the game. So, I mean, it – it's been kind of inconsistent on the NFL part of saying, okay, we want to protect the players, but we want to slam this game in no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't want to get too <laughs> ugly here, but I think that we deserve like a third round or a fourth round compensatory pick because, I mean, I yeah. didn't think the Broncos were going to beat the Saints, but it's still it, – that's why you play the game. I mean, mm-hmm. The Broncos, they're sitting at four and six. They're Okay, they're in division with the Chiefs, so they're not going to win the division, but – Look, there's four, five, six-win teams all over the NFL. They're fighting for their playoff lives. I know the Broncos are an exciting team, but the reality is they still have life going into this. It just sucks to see it go down like this. One completion for nine yards for Hinton. They're basically running Wildcat the whole game. Royce Freeman was the second-string quarterback. Yeah, it was just it was just terrible, Paul. It was maybe the ugliest game to watch this season. And here's the thing: both starting quarterbacks in this game, they barely—I think they barely threw for 100 yards combined. With Taysom Hill not having the greatest performance after we thought, you know, maybe he's on to something here. I mean, it was bad at the quarterback position for this one. And for the Denver, they could say, "Hey, we were without our four. What's your problem, Saints?" Exactly. And we hear—I don't know—every couple of weeks, even before Breeze went down, it was they're paying Taysom Hill so much. Is he going to end up being their quarterback in 2021 and beyond? Something that caught to my attention this week, which I think is insane, he still has not thrown an NFL touchdown pass. 57 attempts, not a big sample. Yeah. I just can't believe that. They've never schemed up anything for him, but yet, never a touchdown pass. I, I cannot believe that, but it's true. Two rushing touchdowns, that's what saved his fantasy value as it did against the Falcons in Week 11, but... Yeah, that's that's all it's been. I'm still clearly not convinced this guy can throw. And, you know, for fantasy owners, if you had your Saints, you thought, oh, they are Thomas is going to put up a monster game. Hill, Kamara, I mean, they're going to be on the field a lot because Denver doesn't have a quarterback. Well, it wasn't really the case because, I mean, for Kamara, you had Latavius Murray be a touchdown vulture down there and uh, take away a touchdown from him. And, yeah, they did not put up the big fantasy points we thought they were going to put up. And I think there should be concern about Kamara here, at least a little bit. End of the game with 54 rushing yards, but just one catch for minus two yards. And we know he's not a monster between the carries guy. He's going to get Josh Jacobs type work or Dalvin Cook type work between the tackles. So, you know, he's had near his average, you know, 10, 15 carries per game, somewhere between there. But with Breeze, 7.4 catches per game. Kamara averaged 72 receiving yards per game. That was weeks one through 10. With Hill the last two weeks, he's had one catch, the one catch for minus two. It's just not the same offense with Taysom Hill in there. I really thought he'd be more involved. I get it's only two games, Mm -hmm. but we're going to be without Breeze until week 15, it seems. It may be a little earlier, but for Kamara, a little bit of concern. I've got an eyebrow going up to this. All right, so now we are finally officially done with Week 12, Wednesday afternoon at about 5.50. It finally wrapped up. So on to Week 13 here, and uh, I guess sit and start. Who are you liking this week? 
I think at the quarterback position, we can go a sit and a start at the veteran. Uh, and starting with the veteran here in Phillip Rivers, Colts going to Houston. He got out to a horrific start this season. The first five games, Rivers was the 26th scoring, 26th highest scoring quarterback in fantasy. He's under 15 points in all five of those games. But six appearances since week six, been over 16 fantasy points in five out of six. So starting to get some momentum. The volume uh, yardage floor has been a little bit higher. He's had 280 passing yards in three straight games. And I do just think this is a good team. The Colts, terrible outing against Tennessee. I think Frank Reich is going to be on them this week, of course. And Houston, they're bound to come back to earth here. They're kind of on an upswing here. Won a few in the last few games in the last month. But even they're desperate for a win, even with that being the case. I still like the Colts in this game, and I still like Rivers to put up numbers. They were okay against the Lions. Was Houston on Thanksgiving, but still. 23rd in scoring defense. 23rd against the pass. And Rivers, he's going to come on the cheap. I think he's a good start here, week 13, if you need a streamer. And uh, who's a guy you might want to stay away from this week at quarterback? Yeah, the veteran sit, as I mentioned, we're going Matty Ice. He's hosting the Saints. It's a game we usually kind of think of the shootout, NFC South shootout. I don't think they're going to win this game airing it out. Saints have just still a really good pass defense. And... I don't know. I just think they're going to have to control the clock and lean on that defense, which has been playing better for Atlanta, to get a couple turnovers. So I see Ryan a little bit lower volume in this game. I see it being a competitive game. I don't see the Saints pulling away and Ryan having to throw 50 balls in the second half uh, or 50 balls in this game. And just him individually, aside from the matchup, aside from the situation, he's not been lighting up lately. Hasn't been over 285 passing yards in three straight games. Five touchdown passes, four picks since week nine. Very pedestrian. The last time he played the Saints, too, no touchdowns, two picks, 51% completion rate. I just, I do like Atlanta to keep this game tough, keep this game close. But without Julio, potentially, we know they lost the Kias mid-game last week. I think Ryan is someone we can fade. There could be some better streaming options for week 13. And at running back here, a guy that's, well, he's been very inconsistent this season. Injuries, I just, he's got a bad line in front of him. They got wiped out. They don't know really what to do with this offense, but uh, you're liking David Montgomery because he, he did have a pretty good fantasy game against the Packers. Yeah, even though they got blown out, maybe not on the scoreboard, but it felt like they were just completely handled by the Packers. He still had a solid game, 103 on the ground Sunday night. Five catches for 40 and a receiving score. And this just goes to show how slim that running back position is. David Montgomery, RB15, the 15th best fantasy running back this year. This goes to show if you can stay on the field for the most part and just have volume, you can be a decent fantasy running back. The Bears are literally the worst rush offense in the NFL, 82 yards per game on the ground. But the Lions have just been horrible against opposing running backs. I'll give them this. They're in a division with Dalvin Cook and Aaron Jones. But still, they've given up literally the most fantasy points in the NFL to running backs. David Montgomery, with his workload, I would start him against the Lions in Week 13. And, of course, you know we're always looking for running backs, especially this time of the season with so many injuries that have happened. Uh, you got a guy that you might want to take a look at. Who's that this week? Yeah, it's deeper league or even a 10-team league, and you have Josh Jacobs or just general running back struggles, I would keep an eye on Devontae Booker, second string back for the Raiders. 
Josh Jacobs, he exited last week with an ankle injury. We'll have to see what he does throughout the week. It wasn't really played up, but John Gruden after the game, he said it's something to keep an eye on. He is a little bit concerned about Jacobs' ankle injury. And we'll say this. I mean, there have been situations all year where we think a running back is going to play. It's a late scratch. I can think of Gurley. There was not much about his knee last week. Mm -hmm. He didn't play. Chris Parson, a couple of times, same deal. Joe Mixon. (laughs) Joe Mixon. We can name a dozen guys. It's just good to have that insurance for late in the week. And it's even early in the week. The the signs are there. Jacobs, he may play against the Jets this week, which is a very good matchup, but he may not. And if he doesn't, it's going to be exactly like Gio Bernard a couple weeks ago, just inserted right into a number one role. We saw Booker week 10 against the Broncos, 16 carries for 81 yards, had two touchdowns. So if he does get that number one position, if Jacobs is out, I would start him against the Jets here. And the running back you just mentioned there in that group, Chris Carson coming back. Uh, What do you think about him in his matchup this week? Yeah, I would just kind of ease him back the next couple weeks like it seems the Seahawks are going to do. Now, I couldn't believe I was considering this last week, but thought about playing Wayne Gallman over Carson. It's one of those situations where I look at the expert rankings, I look at the projections, and then I just think, like, am I really going to start Wayne Gallman over my third-round pick here? And it turns out I probably should have. He had a couple more points than did Carson. But that's just kind of the range Carson is in, in this weird reality where he is just coming back. I mean, he almost reversed roles with Carlos Hyde on Sunday night. Carlos Hyde had pretty much double the carries of Chris Carson. I mean, Chris Carson is a beast. He's former seventh-round pick. He's worked his way up. He is extremely talented. But he's still coming back from that injury. They're playing the Giants, who probably will have Colt McCoy in there. I don't know if they're if they're going to want to risk him this week against the Giants and what I think could be a lopsided game if McCoy plays for the Giants. All right, some wide receivers. We talked about this one a little bit. Uh, that could definitely benefit you, Brandon Cooks, uh, against Indy. Yeah, I'd go with him this week. And moving forward, it is a tough week against the Colts. They're the sixth-ranked pass defense. But as we mentioned, no more Will Fuller, no more Kenny Stills, and Randall Cobb, he is on IR with a toe injury, at least for two more weeks here. Deshaun Watson, 15-0 to touchdown-interception ratio. The last five, he's on fire, and I don't think it's going to matter that Cooks is going to get more attention. He Watson is going to find a way to put the ball there. And Cooks, he's been a high-floor option. 80-plus receiving yards, three of the last four, and the volume is just going to be there. Two other guys to keep an eye on, Jordan Aikens, Kiki QT, if you're in deeper league. Aikens at tight end, maybe a value. Kiki Kuti, we've seen him out of the slot. He's had some utility in years past, so mm-hmm. he could come alive now that that receiving room is cleared out for the Texans. And uh, you like another receiver to keep an eye on on the other sideline in that game. Who's that? One more in this game. It's the rookie, Michael Pittman. Not a good game against the Titans this week. Just two catches, but nine targets in that game. So... Could be a DFS value. He's getting the work. He missed time weeks four to six with injury. But since he's come back, seven-plus targets in three of his past four games, and he's been explosive with those opportunities, 14-plus or 14 or more yards per catch in four straight games. Got his first touchdown against the Packers two weeks ago. I'm going to stack him with old man Rivers here. On the Chief, I think Pittman and Rivers is a good DFS stack. And we talked about how terrible the Philly offense was. They take on uh, the Packers this week. 
But there's somebody you think that could have a decent game on that offense. Who is that? It's got to be Goddard. It's just <laughs> because he's the only guy with a pulse out there. Uh, nobody at receiver for the Eagles. Uh, I mean, that's certainly an exaggeration. Jalen Rieger just has not hit yet. He has not really clicked just one touchdown all season. Alshon Jeffrey, his last three games, coming back from that early season, uh, what was it? I know he had a cast that extended his time on the inactive list. Mm-hmm. But he was coming back from surgery. I mean, Jeffrey just looked completely washed. Just two catches the last three weeks. So Goddard, yeah, I mean, the volume is going to be there. He's had 18-plus fantasy points in back-to-back games. He's not available in a lot of leagues at this point. But if you can get him, certainly take a look. DFS, I'm all over him. Six or more targets in three straight games. So I think Goddard, with the volume, someone's got to catch passes. I think he's who you want for Philly. And let's go against the spread. I had a terrible week. Thanksgiving killed me. Uh, <laughs> and, and what was the Pittsburgh Balt? Was it five? The spread on that it one? It was four. It was, it was four. four. Oh, thank that. you. I because all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I think I went 0 four, and then I'm like, uh, all that five. Thank, thank you, Vegas. Uh, so yeah, so that's where we're at now. Uh, we're looking ahead now to Week 13, New England and the Chargers. Uh, oh boy. It's a pick'em. Well, thank goodness for that. It's a pick'em here. I'm going to go New England this week. Pretty confident. I think this is my favorite pick, which coming for me, you know, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But I like the Patriots even here. I probably would like them even given a couple points. This one opened with the Chargers as two and a half point favorites. It's come back the opposite direction. This line is really trending towards the Patriots. Main thing for me is just a massive coaching advantage. Anthony Lynn, I'm sure he's hearing it, and he has a chip on his shoulder, but he's going up against Bill Belichick no matter what kind of mood he's in. I just think that's going to be an advantage for New England, of course. Cam Newton, we mentioned that he is not throwing the football well, but they still find a way to get it done. Three wins their past four games for New England, and they're 500 with Cam under center. I think the Chargers have the talent to win a couple of games. They're not supposed to these last five weeks, but I, I just like the Patriots here. Five and six, they have to win this game. And the Chargers, they don't know how to close games out. See, I I want to take the Chargers. Justin Herbert, he has far surpassed my expectations of him this season. He has played you know, up and more to his potential, and he has kept them in a lot of games. I want to say he's finally going to close one out, but unfortunately, like you said, I know who's on that other sideline and uh, probably will find a scheme or a way to uh, you know, has, you know, know, make things difficult. He usually does for rookie quarterbacks, and uh, I do go with you on that one. I think New England, yeah, the defense will find a way. Cam will just get enough done, and I think, yeah, New England wins a very close one. You know it's going to be close, but in, in a straight-up pick em, yeah, I think this one of the safer picks of this week. Up next, New Orleans and Atlanta, and uh, New Orleans favored, but three in this one? Yeah, favored by three on the road. <laughs> I'm going to go with the homer pick here. You know I cover them. Yep. And it, it, this could certainly bite me, but I'm going to take the Falcons. I just don't know if Taysom Hill can consistently throw the football to win a game. He may have to in this one, Atlanta. A much better rush defense than the Broncos. The Broncos, 27th in rush defense. And on top of that, I mean, they made the Saints look a lot better. Latavius Murray had a pretty good day. They were so tired. I mean, they had nothing on the offensive side from their quarterback or practice squad wide receiver, I should say. 
it's just going to be a more competitive game. I don't think they're going to be able to run it like they have been New Orleans. And the Falcons, they're just playing inspired football with Raheem Morris in there. I don't only think the Falcons keep it within three. I think they get the upset oh. here. Remember, they won the first time they played last year. But I'm, I'm definitely going to take the Falcons to cover the three as underdogs here. I've, I've got to go the other way on this. i got to go with New Orleans. I, like I said, I was on the Taysom Hill bandwagon, and then last week it happened. I'm not – I still like him, but I really like that Saints defense, and they are really playing impressive right now. And like you said, they didn't have much they had to go against last week, but that rushing defense has been great, and with the injuries in the Atlanta backfield right now, I think that's going to be a big factor, obviously – at wide receiver with uh, Julio out. Calvin Ridley didn't do much last week. I, I will take New Orleans in this one. I think, yeah, they win it. I think they win it by a touchdown. And now, uh, their defense was talked about more and more, but I still feel like they, they may be the most underrated defense yeah. in the NFL. I know in some le- a league I was in, their defense was still available up about three weeks ago. So, I mean, it, it was the whole thing of it's the New Orleans offense. No, that defense is for real. It's a different, yeah, it's a different team. The last few years, they've been training this way. I think they're top six, checking today, top six in scoring defense, top six in rushing, and top six in pass defense. So just comprehensive, dominant defense. And we'll close against the spread here. Buffalo traveling to Arizona to face San Francisco. Yes, that is correct. San Francisco basically got to play their last home games of the regular season in Arizona. And it's going to be the Monday Nighter, part of the double bill Monday Nighter now. And uh, Buffalo is favored by two and a half points again against San Francisco in Arizona. I am terrified to pick against a Kyle Shanahan coach team. Uh, I know. With their backs up against the wall, I mean, they're five and six. They've got to win this game, and they're certainly not dead. I mean, the 49ers feel like that team that could win the last four of the last five games and sneak in the playoffs and maybe go on a run. But. It's a weird week for them. I mean, they were, this time last week, it started to go up in the air, I guess, but they did not know they were going to have to play this game essentially on the road. Mm-hmm. The Bills, they've been ready to go out west all along. They've got a little bit of a reroute here, but I think there's a little bit of a circumstantial thing favoring the Bills. And I also just, we saw what happened with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers against this defense. Yeah. They've been getting healthier in the secondary, and I understand Josh Allen, is he is not Aaron Rodgers, but Stephon Diggs, he may be the best receiver in the NFL this year. He is playing like an all-pro. He's on pace for close to 1,500. He's, he's been unbelievable, and I just don't think the 49ers have anybody. Sherman, he's going to have a second game back this week. Is he going to be 100% though? I, I just don't think they can match up with Diggs, and that's why I'm going to take the Bills even to cover that two-and-a-half on the road here. All right, here's my take on this. The NFL hates Bills fans. What happened in this building the last time Buffalo faced uh, was uh, in Arizona? You're right. Hail Murray! They're going to be stars. Yes, they are going. They are torturing Bills Mafia and the Bills by putting them back in that building on a game that looked like they won until the Hail Murray happened. And the San Francisco team, I tell you what, I I thought it was a great matchup for the Rams. I thought they were going to put up some points. And the defense came out. They made Jared Goff look awful this week. How about that? I, 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 they're 2-0. They swept them. They 
Left the Rams. Yeah, I mean that's the th- and that's why I want to come over to your Buffalo side, but with those factors in play, I got to take San Francisco. And you're getting the two and a half here. I'm not convinced on Nick Mullins, but look, they they have one of the best coaches in the league, and they're just feisty. I yeah. in that circumstance, it's a different situation. So, all right, we got two splits <laughs> this week. We'll both take the Patriots. You'll go New Orleans, yep. favored by three. I'll take the Birds. And then you're going to take San Fran, and I'll take the Bills Mafia. Going back <laughs> to the desert, let's see if they can get a better result this time. Yes. Well, I mean, it, this has been the craziest week of fantasy football I've ever you know, played in, covered. I mean, this has been something. And, Corey, again, thanks for your time. And like we said, week 12 basically wrapped up here in the show about 20 minutes ago. So, I mean – it, this has just been nuts, and I more of it's to come probably next week. Inevitably. I mean, the NFL puts the league in the strictest protocol, but we're still going to get some funkiness going on next few weeks, so we'll just roll with the punches here. Just in time for the fantasy playoffs to screw them up even more. Just in time, yeah. One week left for the regular <laughs> season, and then we're getting into it. We're getting into it week 14 through 17 here. Well, Corey, then thank you so much, and we'll check in with you again next week. Thank you, my friend. We'll touch base next week. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftToThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.